for the next episode examining the career of martial arts superstar turned director David Chang. The name of the game is still letting his chosen veterans act, but letting one of them display a rarely seen dramatic side, namely Richard M. My name is Kenny B, and with me is Tom KW, and this is the director series 17 on David Chang's The Wrong Couples. So welcome back listeners for this second in a week dose of the director series. We're now mostly splitting up episodes on the network into uh, briefer ones, one hour ones that cover mostly one movie and some background information and we're doing the same tonight. I am here as you heard but Tom KW is here the second week in a row as well so say hi buddy for duty once again it's going to get to the point where we record our episodes and they're going to be so short that it's just us just shouting one word and then that's it that's the whole review it's going to get to that point within a year i'd say Ken. it's it's uh it sounds very um crap good pretentious amazing it's art we're making art aren't we i suppose it's, it's art, right <laughs> Uh, right on. Well, we're looking at an artist, regardless, and a couple of artists uh, in the moving picture form. So let's, uh, yeah, the second dose in uh, second dose of David Chang uh, in the two weeks of David Chang in a row, uh, which I hope listeners will be um, because uh, we're doing briefer shows uh, where that it will be all very much approachable rather than two hour chunks. So um, hope you hope you enjoy and uh, we enjoy, yeah. second a second cheek injection. Another one, another cheeky one. But let's uh, do some quick contact information. First of all, this is the director series on Podcast on Fire Network. We are on podcastonfire.com along with all our other shows on on a variety of uh, Asian cinema. It's Asian cinema in a podcast. That was like Stu's early like motto or slogan for the network. And I think it still fits. And I like it, actually. It's Asian cinema in a podcast. It certainly, be, it certainly became that way. Okay, check out bonus episodes on the site as well, exclusive for the website. If you have any comments or feedback, email us, podcastonfire at googlemail.com. That's not a way to email us, like I'm a robot. Email us, please, love us, podcastonfire at googlemail.com. Join us over on Facebook if you're still using it, like our page, where we post show announcements, and join the discussion group for various updates and discussion of a variety of topics amongst good-natured people uh, you can check those links out uh, via the website to just go on facebook and search for us and our twitter handle is at podcast on fire i review the likes of the wrong couples uh, drama comedies therefore and category free movies and uh, taiwanese movies certain genres over there and even ninja movies uh, that uh, applies to hong kong in a way so check that out over at sogoodreviews.com there's a smorgasbord of uh, genres offered up over there and i'll also do small spoken audio video reviews at sleazykvideo.com and my twitter handle is at sogoodreviews the director series is available on itunes if you're a user over there on the old apple apple app store uh, apple itunes 
check us out uh, subscribe leave a star rating and even a small rating comment if you have the time that will very much be appreciated and finally from my and streamers on stitcher radio either through their website or through the applications available on the apple app store and google play and if i didn't mention it they are free and vcinemashow.com our friends over there the excellent blog vcinemashow.com and somewhere on the site you can find tom kw's thoughtful stuff substantial and quality reviews are those different words from last time yeah did you change it thank you thank you for that yeah there's always positive words like uh, i i I could go all primal and and say like it's good you do words well you do words good you make the word letters sound nice to the ears of the the voice of my and after some editing all of that will become very coherent and concrete and very thoughtful so but uh well it's john barry it's john barry really that does that work he writes all my reviews and then he just kind of like (laughs) makes them a bit more kind of retarded and then he writes yeah tom did tom kw (laughs) it's nice of him it's nice of him to do that it's great right on check out the the links directly to his review archive and uh, in the meantime we are going to give you the rundown of what's to come Uh, we are going to feature a couple of sections within this show and i will provide the running times in the show post so you can jump ahead if you like and these running times are also available for downloaded podcasts in the iphone podcast application i I discovered it randomly on 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 the iphone uh, but but it doesn't work when you stream it Uh, you you tap the show out and it like reveals itself that way so uh, whatever you put on the blog post on the site ends up on uh, the uh, downloaded version of the podcast uh, and the sections we have are sparse but still i thought uh, we'd say what's coming up first we have a bio and uh, i suppose a little bit discussion on actress josephine xiao and we conclude with the review of the wrong couple so if you want to skip her bio and jump ahead to the review you can do so by following the running times and uh, therefore we start the wrong couples from 1987 and plot from user hk cinema on hkmdb apt uh, Josephine Xiao plays the role of Wong Moi, who sublets a flat and suddenly finds herself saddled with the seaman Yu Tai Dai. <laughs> well, you, for heaven's sake. I mean, you're 12, so. Seaman. <laughs> what did you expect? Well, it's exactly what I expected. <laughs> uh, but uh, she's saddled with the seaman, the sailor, Yu Tai Dai, played by Richard Ng, and his daughter, Sam Yi, played by Pauline Kwan. Yu has been left by his wife and is battling in vain for custody of his daughter. At first, Wong wants nothing to do with Yu, but gradually she starts feeling sympathetic towards him. When she wants to declare her love for him, Yu has decided he does want to go back to the sea. So there's the kind of... What's going to happen? A little bit of possible romance, a little bit of custody battle. So there we are. But first of all, let's uh, talk the career a little bit of actress Josephine Chow. Fine comedian and veteran dramatic and award-winning actress. Everything from playing Fong Sai-yuk's mother alongside Jet Li to um, appearing in uh, leading the Alzheimer's drama from Anne Hoy called Summer Snow, where Roy Chow played uh, the elderly uh, character that suffered from Alzheimer's. She was born on March 13th, 1947, and made movie appearances as early as six years old, and uh, even received an award in 1956 as Best Child's Actor for her performance in Orphan Girl. She grew into a teen idol in the 1960s, uh, making over 100 films in that decade alone. So, there you are. Like a good good young worker. Female Simon Yam. (laughs) 
<laughs> Before Simon Yam, there was Josephine. And she frequently co-starred with actress Connie Chan in a variety of wuxia films, as well as dramas and comedies. And as it is today with fandom, uh, the, the camps of each respective um, uh, women, uh, like the fan camps of each respective women, had a heated rivalry going on. And I'm sure there's still that going on, whether in Asia or over in the West. Like, you, you got team whatevs and team that, and those fans are bickering on social media like you read about it was even true in in the 1960s although they had to do it to their faces i suppose to each respective faces like, it's a more manly way of doing it or maybe they just wrote letters like you suck you fuck todd like <laughs> licked the envelope got the postage posted it waited for a reply there it is it was 1960s after all and every now and again you can actually read that fans got into fights over this uh, issue of like and dislike we, we haven't learned, we haven't learned as a species to, to say like, your opinion is cool too, as long as you kind of respect my opinion, and then we can quietly move on with our lives. That isn't a familiar kind of structure to how things go, is it? She made a transition, Josephine, that is, to adult performer and a regarded one at that, um, even co-directing uh, went behind the scenes, the popular cops and robbers film Jumping Ash in 1976. Uh, that was like an early sign of the gritty Hong Kong uh, new wave, uh, like mm. w- way before a long arm, arm of the law or cops and robbers, you had Jumping Ash, and it's a solid little movie in its own right, very unavailable, unfortunately. But uh, if you look at it a little bit on, on the internet, I, I, I think it's even streaming on YouTube if you want to see it, because there's no like dvd of it or anything uh, but before all of that despite being a performer um she she was of the mindset that she wanted an education in addition to the career in movies which i, I think is the simon young chai fat way as well like you can't yeah. rely on movies only like mm-hmm. have a backup plan or have a primary plan and treat movies as a secondary thing who knows how it will go uh, she cut, cut down, therefore, on her film work and got a communications degree from New Jersey's Seton Hall University. As she resumed movie work, uh, she started a role uh, behind the scenes in the 70s as she formed her own small production house, co-directed the mentioned Jumping Edge, and took her TV creation Lam A Shun, which is this kind of bumbling, plain Jane character to the big screen, including in the John Woo-directed Plain Jane to the Rescue, alongside Ricky Hoy, I believe. But but essentially from this point, uh, in the early 80s, um, aside from the wrong couples, uh, Josephine kept being selective about films until the 1990s hit. Uh, but that decade marked a resurgence of sorts, at least with new moviegoers anyway, certainly Western moviegoers, I-, I would think, as she appeared in, among other things, Fong Sayok 1 and 2 for Koryun, playing the wild and wacky mother of uh, the title character as uh, essayed by Jet Li. And uh, it, they had good chemistry going on, I thought. Yeah. Uh, Jet and Josephine, she was really mad like and it worked because of the veteran actress that she is you know but but there was some dramatic beats in, in there as well that uh, worked for that movie i quite enjoyed that those two fights is it so very much so very much so in 1995, she received a great international honor, winning the Best Actress Award at the Berlin International Film Festival for her performance in the mentioned Anhoi directed drama Summer Snow. And there was on quite a dramatic role, as the next year she received even more acclaim for playing a retired Cantonese opera star in Shukei's Hoodoo Men. Shukei uh, is not the actress, but uh, it's this uh, male mostly critic or movie writer, I believe, and occasional director, Shukei. And uh, Who Do Men is uh, quite a solid one. Uh, well, quite a solid. It's actually quite an excellent movie. 
Uh, her last film was opposite Vincent Chow in Mahjong uh, Dragon in 1997, I believe. But after that, she has pursued work in child psychology, and uh, she's a noted, or at least was, a noted campaigner against child abuse, uh, even went on to form the End Child Sexual Abuse Foundation at this time. She has also taught English on television and published a best-selling book on Western etiquette. What a slacker! In an interview in the HK Film Archives uh, Treasure, Josephine talks um, a little bit about her shyness. Shyness. So, quote, I'm not fond of being a star. I'm a really shy person and I don't like big occasions. Once I finish a movie, I don't like to socialize. Being a star, even if you don't want to, circumstances will put you out of psychological kilter, end quote. What many people might not know, I certainly wasn't fully aware of it. I, I knew there was some health issues. I didn't know fully until I did this research. Uh, Josephine had had hearing problems almost all her life, losing her hearing in her right ear at the age of two and nearly losing all of her the hearing in her left ear at some point in the 90s and onwards. So I'm sure this had a role in deciding to retire as well from movies uh, and Frederick Dannon talked a little of meeting Josephine in his book Hong Kong Babylon so quote or a little extract from uh, what's in the book uh, first of all the need for the meeting had to be in a hotel as she said to Frederick my gadgets do not work so well in noisy <laughs> places be the hearing aid in Dannon's words Xiao did not seem to miss a word I said and I thought Perhaps she had exaggerated her condition until, that is, Anhoy, the director of Summer Snow, later told me, Frederick, that is, that Xiao often had to lie down after a conversation because the strain of using her hearing aid left her exhausted. Uh, and back to Frederick, I was, I was all the more amazed at Xiao's acting skill. Her deafness is indiscernible in her movies and all the more grateful for her interview. So I, I, I respect that, if it, that it takes... A lot out of you, but you're keeping up appearances, professional appearances um, anyway, especially a one-on-one is, uh, must be straining too. For someone who doesn't like socializing either, so mm. that's, uh, that, that warms my heart. And uh, I respect that. Uh, that's a uh, strength. And, uh, and she seems like a warm person based on those, uh, those traits, uh, professional traits and human traits. Do you remember her in anything aside from, you know, uh, you know essentially Feng Sayok? Uh, yeah, apart from kind of a 90s you know films really I, I, I was interested kind of in you just speaking about it because she's not an actress I'm overtly familiar with but clearly a massive part of you know the kind of uh, burgeoning kind of days of, of Hong Kong cinema in the 60s and a massive part of that and massively loved so it, I, I had no idea myself that you know she was she had a, a health issues and, and you know makes me like her even more I have seen them, but I don't remember much from them, uh, oddly enough. Uh, uh, she was in the two Stephen Chow movies, Fist of Fury 1991 and Fist of Fury 1991 too. <laughs> she was playing different different roles, I think. So she's, she's got a big role in the second one. She's not in the first one a whole lot, if I remember, but she's in the second one a lot. All I remember of Fist of Fury in 1991 was Stephen Chow and Kenny B, not me, uh, spitting at each other a lot. They had like a spitting <laughs> fight, like pew, pew, pew. <laughs> so disgusting. Always, uh, she was also in Always On My Mind, which was this comedy drama with uh, Michael Hoy. Michael Hoy played a TV presenter that has, uh, that has uh, cancer. And uh, that was great. Uh, even Sing Sound movie, so like um, they could record her live uh, despite the strain on, on her to perform, I suppose, with the hearing aid and uh, the hearing uh, difficulties it's amazing yeah she pushed herself to kind of even act you know kind of during the later years it's, you know it's amazing 
And Summer Snow is. Uh, I rewatched it recently. Um, uh, I, I got the laser disc uh, once upon a time because the VCD I had was oh god, that was bad for a VCD even. So I wanted something better. It's not on DVD actually, and mm. it, it, it's good. It's um, it, it's more of a Roy Chow um joint in a way, like that award winning performance of him having Alzheimer's. Is um, boy, is he good in that movie? And she she isn't really she isn't the daughter of him. Uh, she's married into the family of his. But she oh. becomes the kind of primary caretaker uh, when no one else kind of has the energy to um, to do so. It's a nice little movie, a beautiful little movie. Uh, Summer Snow is actually there, there is a such a scene in the movie that is just kind of a beautiful moment rather than be the translation of the theme of the movie. You know, it's uh, there, there, there is like a snowing scene during summer in the movie, but it's not this pretentious kind of sim- symbolic thing. It's just a nice little moment. So. Yeah, Anne knows how to uh, pull at the older heartstrings. <laughs> Without being melodramatic, uh, uh, I, I haven't seen uh, the movie you reviewed yet, A Simple Life, uh, but uh, I'm sure it's solid. Really, really good. Really, really good. But okay, let's move on to the wrong couples then and move on to your quick opinion of David Chang's uh, Richard and Josephine Chow comedy drama at hand here. So the floor's yours. What do you think in brief about the wrong couples? It's a good mix of comedy drama with some, you know, some some good performances. Uh, That's kind of the essential what I, I took from it. I think it's probably his best film so far to date. I kind of agree. I, I, it's just that Legend of the Owl is so mad, so you kind of remember it more. But uh, like, uh, I would probably agree. I enjoyed this more. I think. I think I enjoyed this more. If I had to really, yeah, make an opinion, as much as as much kind of as kind of fun that is, this was, I think, his best film yeah, so far. This one doesn't have any like one, two, three o'clock, four o'clock rock fight. <laughs> no, scene. it doesn't have. Three so it's it's a bit a, a bit of a different beast. Yeah, you bring it down a notch because of that, but otherwise. <laughs> Yep, it's not the emergence of a great new chapter in David Chang's filmography, but it's um, it's very solid and very non-flashy. It has the modern settings for his cinema again, which we talked of last time, favoring performer and character interaction, and uh, it's uh, that ID identity that seems to be emerging is something I quite enjoy. And uh, Wrong Couples is that very thing. Uh, very solid to even um, affecting. Uh, some detours into comedy banter is uh, all good uh, and uh, fun while it lasts. But mostly it's a little drama with... Like, it isn't a hidden drama gem, but it has some well-executed dramatic beats worthy of remembering. If anything, it's the emergence of quite a decent dramatic actor in Richard. Richard, yeah, really kind of comes out of his you know, shell with it, with this one and really kind of, you know, as you're saying about the last film, very kind of subdued, but I feel with this one it's more successful because I think with this, kind of David Chan kind of takes what he kind of learned with the previous kind of two or three films, you know, with the kind of the merging the drama and the comedy and comes out of this one really successful with it, kind of finds a really good balance with it. Was it ever like um, either before or during this viewing a, a, a sort of difficult thought that Richard, mm, the drama director, I can't see it. Or were you like um, open to the idea? Yeah, I didn't even think about it. I think when I was watching it, I didn't kind of, I didn't even think about it. The thought didn't even come ahead. And before I knew it, kind of the ending was there. And before I knew it, the film finished. And 
kind of I was like, oh, you know, yeah, that was really emotional. Like you, you put in a really good dramatic performance there, um, with you know, with a kind of very toned down version of the comedy that he, he, he performs and the way he performs and the way he moves his face and stuff and his you know his reactions and stuff. It was very kind of pulled back and reeled in, and it was nice mix. But yeah, it's it's a weird, it's a weird thought, really. I mean, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't do it a lot, does he? But I think it's really great for him to have a spotlight here to do it. Yeah, I mean, if we scan the filmography in the 80s, I can't think of many or any because he was the comedy guy. Scrolling through it, like, at most, maybe he's sort of... No, he's probably not serious in Golden Swallow because it was him and Eric Tsang as these ghost-fighting kind of dudes. The Goofy Gang certainly is not a dramatic performance. It's a cameo. But, uh, like, like, who knows? Uh, like, Faithfully Yours possibly is subdued. I don't remember that one. But, uh, you know, there, there isn't, like, this distinct, ah, there's the other dramatic performance. Carry uh, on Hotel, that's the one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's that wonderful scene where he walks out of his trench coat. Or, do you remember that? Like, they, they catch him, and then he, like, detaches the trench coat, walks out of it, and still wears a trench coat. Which is a wonderful sight gag. <laughs> <laughs> Till the nineties, really? Did he really? I think that's when he started kind of coming again with some you know, dramatic role. Maybe not presented before him at all times, but he he is like a director, David Chang, who wasn't like brought into the commercial system to just do action, just do comedy. Like he was kind of on the fringe, if you think about it. Like his movies, uh, despite being high profile in terms of cost. They're not the ones that people like, ah, oh, yeah, that's great big box office success of the 80s. Because he, he wasn't, like, playing that genre. And I think, it seems to me, anyway, that David Chang was writing kind of his own, or plowing his own path, in a way. He had his own space to breathe, I think, which is great as well. Like, it wasn't kind of up in and up in and kind of with some of the bigger companies, like, trying to up each other and, and you know, really kind of outperform each other. It felt like he was kind of left to do what he wanted to do, which was make kind of quiet little comedy dramas. And it's good that we have that now because we've got, you know, we can look back on that certain decade and there's different, you know, very different films from kind of what was commercial at the time. But but some of the early comedy beats happens at the beginning of the movie, like when they meet uh, Josephine and Richard, uh, he uh, walks into the apartment that he used to live in, it's it's now rented out to her, and I love the little beat, and it's so easy to miss this, but uh, me being so in love with his facial reactions, he walks into the apartment, and then, oh, wrong house, and just as he closes it, you kind of see him look up or to the side and essentially saying to himself without saying it like what the fuck's that what the fuck's going on like there is that subtle 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 fucking he doesn't thing. want to like, believe it like he doesn't want to believe what's going on like he looks around he's kind of like oh, I don't know what how to make of this it wasn't an unusual comedy bit would even just to leave it, but he kind of he does have that little moment no wow no, no I know so what's going on like, it's just that little subtle bit yeah it, I think he took I took I think it took time with the with the comedy though to kind of get that nice that kind of that good mix because I think some of the the early stuff some of the gags fall a bit flat for me personally I stray a bit into the old um, sitcom territory where a character doesn't tell another one something on purpose and that leads to classic hijinks classic hijinks hilarious hijinks and it's kind of a bit groan inducing or some of stuff's just a bit too daft I mean the rat trap joke and it didn't really it didn't really pay out. it was a good idea and, it, and when when um, Josephine's character is, is, is exercising as well recover, like initially there were a couple of scenes that stuck out like that to me they were just a bit too lame to really work but then it's kind of as the film progressed it started getting a bit better and it was more well thought out and we get some you know some better jokes to go along with the drama 
seeing as we didn't know specifically of all the beats in the movie, you come to find out that uh, Richardum's wife has uh, left him with uh, another man, and therefore you have the custody situation going on there. And it is rather like a harsh decision, you think, by the wife, but you don't know the whole background to their marriage. If it had stability, communication or not, like he was or is a sailor, that means he's out on sea for months at a time and stuff like that. Maybe for almost the entire year and comes home maybe once or twice. So so we don't know. You know, ultimately when we see the wife later played by uh, Lisa Chow, uh, Jimmy Wang Yu's romantic interest in one on Swordsman 1 and 2. Yeah. And uh, she was also set on fire in Dragon Family. Add that to the old CV. <laughs> yep, yep. Brave, brave elder actress. I believe that was uh, Lisa Chow. She, you know, she seems somewhat cold, but it, the movie poses a very valid question of what is best for the child. Like, uh, and and their law has to make that decision, which is the more distressing, possibly very realistic depiction of mm. a custody battle, and uh, therefore, with Chang having that idea or John Chan's script having that idea. David therefore continues favoring performers, performing, and that is cinema to me. Again, this is not Tarantino, this is not Glengarry Glenn Ross style in actors acting, you know, but I, I like it. It's a great challenge to make that engaging, and it is um, I used Law Way maybe unfairly, but just think of a couple of Law Way movies, even Fist of Fury. It's just people standing there in the same damn frame, and just talking back and forth. It's not exciting. So you have to think, you have to cut it up and have to think of a way to make the camera language a little bit more varied. Not like twirl around the actors or anything, but just cut it up and make uh, make your coverage a little bit more varied. But the whole custody of family drama could have been an entryway into melodrama. But I think the movie shows, David has shown restraint before yep. when he's doubly drama. And the movie uh, continues to show and his directorial skill and style continues to show that restraint. Like, I, I'm quite confident in David Chang by now in terms of drama that he's not going to go into the whole, like, violins and, like, a big old, no, like, no. boo-hoo-hoo, boo-hoo-hoo, where that, that is so loud. Because if you think about it, and I think we talked about it, that is the easier commercial choice yep. to turn it on. Yep. Mostly not affecting, not for me anyway. But 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 it's the easier choice. Here it's um you gotta build it through the movie like gradually, I suppose. And then there is a big speech in a courtroom scene that brings it up a little bit, but I think it's deserved by that's that point. That's Richie's moment, yeah. I think that's a really good moment. I think you're right, really. I think in terms of it's more about the story and investing in the characters and I think if you can do that successfully kind of, you know, early on in the film, then you can kind of get away with you know, anything really, I suppose. But, you know, I think the dramas, yeah, it's easier to suck in people, suck in an audience when you invested in the characters. And I think with this film, he does. Whereas his previous films, I wasn't really. I was just kind of watching what was going on. There was highlights, there was good bits, yeah. But with this, it does. He kind of successfully kind of pulls you in. It's come a long way since uh, the drug, uh, what the hell was it? The drug, the drug, what was it? Drug users? Drug addicts. Drug, drug addicts, addicts yeah. drug users. I mean, it seems like... Dec- we was it was a decade ago, wasn't it? Decade yeah, nineteen seventy three or four or something like that. Yeah. But yeah, you know, and and you know, Josephine Sars, she she's a real standout in it. You know, there was very non spring to mind now, but there was very subtle moments. I think they were kind of they were so subtle that that I almost didn't 
you know, didn't click with me. But there are moments where she just actually she's really acting. It's it's just good. She just little kind of ticks a character does in terms of kind of certain ways. She'll just like you move objects or the way she moves around the frame. She's just really really good. Like she, it's almost like Dave's told her, like, oh yeah, you need to go from A to B, but she kind of does it in her own way, and it it really sticks out. Her, her performance in the film. Maybe really it good. gave them the freedom to choreograph themselves yeah. in the frame. I suppose. I I never gotten the imp- impression, and we obviously don't have a lot of interviews on his directorial work and maybe none at all in english anyway maybe maybe he, he was very relaxed like go play and we'll kind of come to a conclusion what is suitable or not to to do finally you know what i mean that's the kind of journey a director like kevin smith has gone through for a while for a good 10 years he was a stickler for the script and every syllable every infliction in the script has to be according to me 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 what i want in the latter half of his day is of his career he was more like go play do you have a suggestion Fine, I'll, I'll listen to it. We'll do it. So totally play. Have playtime. And that, that's why he has become quite a liked director by actors of the last three or four movies. Because people just have fun having playtime. Like, say what you want about the movies. But uh, it, it's it, it's true for Red State and, and movies like that. So certainly Tusk. Uh, it's it's yeah, actors having a freedom to move about rather than like, you gotta hit it in a certain way. Like, it? No! Wrong! Yeah, yeah, and then, you know, and as, you know, cinema, your history has told us that it can go either way, you know, that, that it can come out, you know, art and magic can come out of both ways of kind of making a film both ways of direction, but it is good when you, you know, you see characters that that seem like they're kind of, they're being natural and they're kind of, you know, they're having a good time with, with the source material, like with, the, with with the script and kind of just doing their own thing with it. Um, I mean, just look at the interaction between these two veterans here, Richard and Josephine. It's, good. it's, 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 it's good. good, like they seem to respond to the material and they're not building this hatred that turns to love or anything. She just kind of uh, takes him in and accepts him, and yeah. they're not like there's a scene or two of a little bit of an antagonism. They're the worst scenes, as well. They're the worst scenes in the beginning. The ones, the ones I was mentioning. I do agree to a, to a degree, but the verbal snap back and forth, I kind of enjoyed, especially the there is a verbal rape joke here, okay? And uh, she says to him, like, "Don't touch me. I'll accuse you of rape. Like, I wouldn't touch you anyway. If I wanted to rape someone, it wouldn't be you." <laughs> I'm not Out. saying I would rape someone, but if I was, it wouldn't be you. And it's like he's a failed inventor as well. I doubt Richard invented a nose trimmer, by the way. <laughs> like, look what I invented, nose trimmers. That was quite fun, because again, at first it seems like some kind of a daft thing. It's like, okay, like, what's going on with this? But then it, it turns out to be a crucial you know, plot point later on, I think. And again, I just feel like it's Dave's really... Work, like, he, you know, he knows what he's doing now. He's, he's setting... He's kind of setting things up towards to kind of move. But I think the one thing that strikes me about this film, which the other films didn't, is just the way that he deals with the with the kind of the dramatic elements and the dramatic beats a bit. He comes up with some good visuals to really sell them. You know, with with Josephine Sars character uh, Wong Wong Mo, is it um, leaving a job? You know, you know, you know, you know. It's just the way he sets it up and like the way that kind of it's framed and and the way she moves and the bit where she throws the pills into the pond as well. There's, there, there, there feels like, you know, when they're fishing, he does come up with some really nice visuals. It feels like he's really kind of, you know, trying hard to put these kind of nice images to not just characters saying, I've left my job or I've thrown my pills away. It's like it comes up with a really good visual to kind of sell that rather than the characters kind of say certain, you know, certain things. Yeah, yeah at one point, uh, Josephine's character is working for this um, 
sort of aspiring politician played by Paul Chun, who... Uh, Paul Chun plays his standard role, you know, bastard. piece of shit businessman. Yeah, piece of shit businessman. <laughs> Indeed, like uh, the first scene, like he's given uh, food by Josephine. They, they, they call them red trots. I have no idea what that is. Like he doesn't want to eat them and he, pa- he passes by like regular people on the street and, oh, look what I got, red trots for you. And he, Paul Chun, to have Paul Chun uh, do that is just kind of magical. You you know you're going to hate that guy after a minute. He plays a fucker in all these films. <laughs> I know, just look at Wild Search. Uh, that was probably one of the first movies I saw him in, Paul Chun, Wild Search, like daughter in that movie in the, um, in the whole Witness template because you know it's a, a remake of uh, Witness. Like uh, he, uh, he is the father, but he's, uh, he's a complete bastard and does drugs and all of that. So, but he's like Paul is a wonderful actor and a wonderful warm actor, and uh, he can do he can do it all. But uh, during this stretch of the eighties, you can kind of guess that if Paul is in a movie, there's a good chance that he is going to play a complete bastard. Effectively, so he's a good actor. It's my calling card. <laughs> uh, again, you you touched upon it. Again, a very um pleasant tone and uh, the drama works itself in. Um, it it can feel distant, but it is rewarding. Uh, ultimately, and the reach is quite solid. Uh, obviously, you have the kid Sam Yi at the forefront very good uh, Pauline Kwan the actress um, I had to look it up if if it was that poor actress that was in all of these movies um, uh, while searching Fatal Termination but but, but then I thought to myself you know the girl who hangs out of a car in Fatal Termination but then I thought to myself Wild Search was after this and she looks older in this so it isn't her and indeed it wasn't but uh, yeah she is like she is there even in a scene being put on the spot while I think Richard has his wife on the phone and he kind of just asks her or shouts at her almost like, pick between us, pick someone. And that, that is obviously very unfair to a child to put her into the parents' emotions. And no wonder they go to court. It, it, it's not this angrily epic court session or anything, but that's what we're dealing with here. And uh, there's a kid there in the middle who wants to be with her father, but it's kind of unreal to just say, pick one. Pick me, and uh, she kind of breaks down after that. So she, she she's very good. And um, I was surprised La- Lam Chung didn't have more of a uh, role in it as well. He only shows up as a hard bastard uh, boyfriend, doesn't he? <laughs> doesn't he? At one point, I thought he'd have a bit more of a role. A little walk-on uh, role for Lam Chung, the guy who gets um, uh, urine poured all over him in one of the cutscenes in Bullet in the Head. That's uh, that's his character. Uh, so it's my, my my first Hong Kong movie. I always remember that face, and then I then I found out his name later and. Good solid character actor as well. Always a, always in the background and supporting and stuff like that. But but yeah, you, you touched one or two. It's very sweet how they engage in each other's lives, but it's no forced romance no, no. being poured onto us. It feels really natural as well. It doesn't feel forced. It feels really kind of like you expect it to happen, but it's like it's not shown off. And they're not beating you over the head with what's going to happen. You just know with the tone of the film and, and kind of how it's leading and the way the characters interact with each other. You know it's going to get there when it does, and it's it's awesome. The main thing isn't rom- romance. The main thing, the main thing is the which is gonna be the parent here, which which mm. decision is gonna be made for little Sam Yi, and is it going to be in the favor of the character we like or not? And uh, it's he tends to favor reality a little bit more, which I think is a wise choice in in this one because the unfortunate aftermath of divorce is that, as I said. Now, state, let's say, or the law has to be involved, unfortunately. And just because you're a good guy doesn't mean automatically that, well, to- you can totally have her. Like, 100% custody. Fuck the wife. It isn't that, it's that simple. And obviously, he has his monologue in the courtroom scene. And he does really, really well. Like, he yeah. builds it up. And he deserves that 
emotional moment I think and David does the very wise thing of letting the camera slowly dolly in or push in on Richard mm. to have his uninterrupted take. One take, one take. Yeah, yep. yeah. yeah at Pretty least good. let's say a minute and a half, maximum two minutes yeah. of a uh, monologue. And he builds it as well. He's not crying and crying. It kind of builds. You see the tear kind of build up in his eye. It's like, wow. It's like intense feelings, but done with sincerity and yes. not falling into a melodramatic trap. And it's wonderful and totally natural to see that side of Richard. Um, like you forget about the, the pom-pom guy or the lucky stars guy pretty quickly. Uh, you, you'd love to switch back to that guy. Uh, right off the wrong couples there's nothing wrong with that no just not in this film like he he has a happy-go-lucky nature to him so it's not this um depressing dramatic performance or anything like that Uh, and and even josephine is good at reserved emotion Uh, i I like those dignified exits from uh you know the office uh of uh, paul chunes yeah i just love the way it's framed like it just it really it just works like she's not going mad it just really works it's subtle and it's the way he frames it and the way it looks and it's just it's just it's just really good it just gives some really good imagery to go along with the drama and it's not packed with too much content either. again it's not a comedy per se but we had that problem with mr handsome there's way too many of the characters in there like we have supporting characters that pop by every now and again you got dennis chan and ku feng veteran actor ku feng show brothers it's like undemanding support but you're glad that they're there like yeah, because they are not like um, key characters; they're the sailor mates or what have you of yeah. of uh, Richard Ooms. And uh, I like that actors can come in and just provide that um, little support uh, here and there. They are supporting actors; they're not cameos. But uh, like Ku Feng, I don't think strained himself acting in this movie necessarily. But he's good, man. Ku Feng rocks a double denim all day, every day, <laughs> and uh, with a captain's hat and a pipe, thus making him the Asian Captain Birdseye. So he gets style points times infinity. That's I've just granted him that. What's that reference from for stupid people like me? Bird's eye, fish fingers, you know. I just thought that maybe you'd seen it as a child and you'd, you'd blocked it out like out of your head. It was an old, he was an old, nice uh, captain dude with a big beard and he was like giving fish fingers to kids. It sounds a bit seedy, but it wasn't <laughs> because it was the old days. Hey, have fish fingers, little kid. It was okay in the old days. He was like, yeah, I'll have these fish fingers and the kids are like, yeah. I put vitamins in them for you. Yeah. <laughs> I guess, are we really going to sell the fish fingers like that? Well, there are vitamin C's after all, so that's fine. Like, la, 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 la. You're ruining the images of birds right now. But yeah, he used to sell, and he does like, you know, he's still, I don't know whether he's around today, but his products still are, like he does fish fingers and Bird's eye, like a nice, you know, a nice bit of chicken or something. So, but he's the Asian version. Kufeng is the Asian version. That's what I was getting at. So. Kufeng can do anything and still be good. Like, um, in all, in all seriousness, he never disappointed. Like, even if he, when he was in some of these incomprehensible swordplay movies at Shaw Brothers, like Kufeng, oh, was always awesome. Uh, you know, playing a villain most of the time. You know, scheming and scheming. And uh, I'm, I'm I'm watching Killer Clans right now. It's a rewatch uh, for the first time in many 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 years. Can't say what the movie is about, but damn, is it cool? Lolita is cool. Ku Feng is super cool, and it's um, had some pretty cool action and tons of plot uh, twists and turns. And um, even without Ku Feng, it probably would have been pretty cool. Would you accept fish fingers from Ku Feng if he gave you some? Uh, <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know, Tom. <laughs> don't make me do this. Well, you're on the spot now. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. If you were really hungry and Kufen was like, do you know what? I've just got some fish with some breadcrumbs on it. I'll sort you out, Ken. Would you be like, yeah, sound. Can you please put on your captain's hat for me, Mr. Kufen? 
<laughs> I sure can, little boy. <laughs> I'm 36. <laughs> well, I'm 80, so that makes you a little boy. So. He's pretty old, but I think he's still around. Cool thing. So. I saw him in um, the latest movie. I think I saw him in was in 2006 in My Name is Fame. He played uh, an actor in the movie just like Lao Ching Wan did. So they, they had a little behind the scenes um, kind of chat or when both of them were appearing on a TV show or something like that. Looks really old, but he's still around, I think. Uh, cool thing. Yeah, he was in uh, he was in like Isle of Hong Kong, wasn't he? The, uh... Maybe so, maybe so, yeah. <laughs> like if you scroll his filmography like I just did, like it takes like seven or eight like full scrolls with the mouse uh, <laughs> mouse but yeah the latest movie in 2013 so there we are and i love hong kong indeed and even i love hong kong 2012 yeah we even get an angry richard towards the back end which is also an effective di- dip into something we've never seen before you know that it, the, the real like uh, angry like uh frustrated and angry. it's really a, a an effective breakdown too if uh, talking emotions the, the only thing that I, I won't spoil it i'm just gonna say this you'll probably know this uh, there the back end kind of events that happen are a bit contrived yeah the act you mean the actual ending ending yeah exactly what happens like there's a crisis but uh, then it's uh there's a crisis with the daughter and then it kind of solves itself i suppose but for movie purposes it, it's okay it doesn't disrupt what has been set up well before but it, it, it is a bit contrived uh, but it is, it is it is it's like two like sick jokes like almost it's like it is really a sick joke, actually. It when, was, when you think it about was it. kind of like, oh, I don't know about this. But yeah, it was, I think Captain Bird's on been involved. <laughs> <laughs> but but there is some well-placed end humor, you know, when he rips up, I'm going to say this because it's, so, because it's so out of context, when he rips up the sailor's registrate and it turns out <laughs> it's someone else's. Like, Oopsie. that's mine! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was cool. and uh and yep my final note we get an end cameo from johnny boy not davy boy but johnny boy because he goes under john chang mostly in the 1980s meaning we get a brief cameo from the director almost at the end of the movie jacket's not as good no it was a kind of an afterlife cameo if you will in double fattiness uh like it could um spice it up a bit based on that but uh i enjoy that he's, he's there and uh I'll, I'll appear for a couple of minutes and uh no one is gonna be like look at the superstar it's i don't know i think it's anonymous enough the whole movie isn't gonna stop just because he enters so i like that i don't know why it makes me kind of happy but uh he's there looking looking healthy and obviously he never stopped acting uh like he was still in uh, movies uh, a few years later he had a prominent role in once upon a time in china too obviously and uh, might have been nominated for that possibly i would say possibly uh, i just maybe was very very good uh, in that movie and it still looked awesome so and even as late as he's in the second from vegas to macau movie which i have no intention of seeing uh the first one really election uh, yep, yep, he was in the first election movie, very briefly playing a police officer. So uh, it's, it's still, still good to see good old Davy or Johnny around. And uh, that's the end of my notes, buddy. Do you want to say anything else about the wrong couples? I've got a few more a few more notes, just a couple. I do like the gag of someone mentions uh, Rich's wife leaving him and his mates just look away when he clocks him. Do you remember that bit? It happens a couple of times in the film. Someone asks which about his wife, and he looks to his mates, and they all pretend to look away, like, I don't know what you're talking about, <laughs> which is... Uh... Very subtle and transparent, like uh, <laughs> like in real life, like it would be. Like... <laughs> they don't even try to hide them, they just move their face. Look at that interesting <laughs> so... thing over there. <laughs> and uh, I hate, I literally, oh, this, this is one of the things that I thought I was going to hate the film. I hate the way the old nanny tells uh, Rich's character 
uh, the news about his wife, swinging her hips and pointing a finger. What a bitch. Like, she's like, oh, man. I was so annoyed with her. I was like, what a fucking bitch. Like, just, like, <laughs> I just hated the way she was acting. Like, her acting was, like, really annoying me. It was like, oh, your wife left you. Like, shaking her finger. I was like, oh, my God. Like, just get, just get, just get her out of the film now. It's a two-scene thing rather than, uh, like, you're always there. Like, oh, what are you doing now? Has your wife, is your wife still uh, left you? Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> yeah, and she's like, what's going on in your love life, Rich? <laughs> no, it was nothing like that. But yeah, th- thankfully, the film got a lot better. Anything else? That's it, buddy. That's it for okay, me. Okay, okay. As for availability, therefore, it's still available on DVD from Joy Sales on their legendary collection line. Unfortunately, at least for the English subtitles, uh, they are optional. They are quite gravely out of sync for most of the picture. We're talking about two or three seconds out of sync. Uh, like Hong Kong DVD quality control going strong since 1998. It, it's it's really inexcusable. But uh, like I, I personally, you you could endure it. Um, I could endure it. It wasn't too too bad. But I have younger eyes. Like, like I'm older, so I have no patience. Like, I, I'm going to give you an example of something I watched that was as bad um, subtitle wise. The very first DVD for an Autumn's Tale by Megastorm. Bad. Oh, totally bad. Like for it was essentially the same. Maybe the first third had in sync subtitles, then at least thirty minutes completely out of sync, and then it came back towards the end. The Autumn's Tale, uh, an Autumn's Tale, is my favorite Hong Kong movie, and I based it on that viewing. But that was like fifteen years ago. I don't know if I would be able to take that today. Crazy, it's crazy. Quality control still going strong, even in uh, it was released a couple of years ago. This. Uh, Wrong couples DVDs. I have a, an old full screen VCD of it that I just gave up with the DVD. Like, screw, it. fuck this. I'm to go with the VCD. Like, phew, everything's in sync. So there it is. But it is available, and uh, you can get it from US Asia and uh, what have you. Uh, not all of these legendary collection ones are available, but they seem to be mildly in print, um, but not hugely so. Like, not every mm. of the quite large batch that. Joy Sets released is um, in print, but this one was. So there it is. Good, good. All right, next time we have we have four movies left out of David Chang's directing career, as it, it kind of concluded in 1995, and there's been no noise since then. So you kind of assume that nothing else is going to happen. Who knows? We're though? still hoping. Still hoping. Who knows? Uh, the instincts might be there, or he's just tired of it. He might have said everything he wanted to say. Who knows? But uh, that means next time you'll hear, hopefully, two weeks in a row, um, like you just heard, like two episodes, two weeks in a row, and you'll hear us tackle uh, two of these four remaining movies in quick take form and the remaining two as main reviews. But we haven't decided yet which ones out of the quartet of My Dear Son, When East Meets West, Will of Iron, and Mother of a Different Kind, which ones will be quick takes versus main reviews, respectively. I've seen everyone except Will of Iron, which makes me want to do it for a main review. I think it's an action movie. But we'll see. We'll see. We'll have a democratic discussion behind the scenes of uh, how Tom sees it. But uh, all of them are available, at least um, like no, not on DVD necessarily nowadays. Will of Iron, maybe. I think it's on Joy Sales or was. But the other ones are like buried on the prior formats. Uh, VCD. VCD for My Dear Son, Laserdisc for When East, Will of Iron I Don't Own, so I'm going to check if I can buy it, and Mother of a Different Kind also on VCD. So it's one of those that they, they just never went anywhere, despite being on companies that did DVD subsequently. Just one of many movies that were left behind. The bitter truth of Hong Kong cinema. But as I said last episode, 
even the stuff that was released after the Matrix. It is now out of print. Yeah, post Matrix. <laughs> it's still out of print. Like many of the universe DVDs of um, of uh, regarded movies and uh, you know decent quality universe DVDs, totally out of print. Like Smart. double fattiness, we couldn't find. Like if you want to get writing wrongs, they like the coveted universe DVD with the two cuts on it. Can't get it because uh, they're they're not reprinting reprinting it. It's not moving on to other companies in Hong Kong and stuff like that. So it's the bitter truth of um, like it's such a big catalog to keep on repressing and upgrading if you will but uh, like we have we have at least some hopes on on the horizon there's a company called Vicol or Vicol that's been doing blu-rays of certain titles that were in the hands of uh, Maya for instance they did God of Gamblers a, a decent uh, HD print of God of Gamblers an actual HD actual print high state, yeah. it was it was it wasn't like super sparkly like a complete 4K restoration but it beats any fortune star upscale by a I mile. I hope it was DNR. Didn't seem to be, and it read the upgrade looked good. Like uh, the like the, the details, you you know, if you look at scenes with signs in the backgrounds, you can now read those signs. Like it's not, it's it is an upgrade, and it looked colorful and stuff like that. So, Vicol is doing um, some select titles. Uh, so who knows if they will unearth some David Chang ones? We don't know their business model right now. What their focus is. So it might be old unknown titles or just high profile ones right on let's uh, finish this one up then uh, with this director series 17 on the wrong couples and uh, this has been the director series on the podcast on fire network we are on podcast along with uh, bonus episodes and other shows on various asian cinema make your selection therefore or make several selections we would love to have you uh, email us if you have any questions or comments or feedback podcast on fire at googlemail.com join us over on facebook like our page join the discussion group links are available in the show post and on our website if you can't find it by yourself uh over there at uh, twitter uh handle is at podcast on fire i write about hong kong movies hong kong movies taiwanese movies godfrey home movies and a variety of genres adult ones even at sogoodreviews.com and sleazykvideo.com is my video hub if you will and my twitter handle is at sogoodreviews and you can subscribe to the director series on itunes rate and subscribe and uh, if you have the time please leave a written comment about what you thought of this show or any other show on the network. We would love to hear from you over there as well. And finally, Stitcher Radio. Stream us if you don't want to download podcasts to your device. I'm sure some, uh, like me, I listen to about uh, seven or eight. Dirty podcasts. I don't want them on my device. <laughs> oh, the director series is so dirty. Oh, it's so dirty. Have it saved. You talked about fish fingers and drugging children. Oh, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> So there it is. Uh, but uh, stream us on Stitcher Radio either via their website or download the free application from applications from either Google Play or the Apple App Store, depending on the smartphone that you have. And uh, vcinemashow.com. Visit them in general for a great mix of uh, news, reviews, and essays and uh, things like that. But Tom KW has a little space over there with his reviews of mainly Hong Kong movies. So check that out by following the link in the show post we are done for the director series 17 and uh, i've been kind of be with me was my good friend and uh, the director series babble brother if you will tom kw so say bye bye